0: Hi, it's producer Alice Dewey Goldstone, and this is the Skull Rock Podcast. Skull Rock Podcast, talking all things Disney, with your hosts, L. John Go and Dave Bossert.
1: Welcome to Skull Rock Podcast. If this is your first time checking out the show, welcome. Every week we talk all things Disney and pop culture. Never before heard stories, behind the scenes moments from some of your favorite Disney films, theme park attractions, performances, books, music, and much more. I'm your co host, Al John Gill, musician, longtime Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, and pop culturist. And you can contact me over email, Al A L J O N, at skullrockpodcast.com.
0: And I'm Dave Bossard, artist, filmmaker, author, and your other pop culturist. And welcome to the Skull Rock Podcast. If you love Disney and pop culture, please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. You can also like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can also email me
1: at Dave at dot Podcast.com. Al John, how are you? Oh man, allergies are in full effect. It's allergies one. Al John Zero. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah. I, I, I have to tell you, I, 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 I'm I excited that we're doing the show today because uh, it's the Destino show. I'm super and, stoked. Yeah. And, and, and this came about because one of our listeners sent in a, a, a note to us asking uh,
1: for us to talk about Destino. Absolutely. I think it's a great topic. Obviously, huge fan of the book. The artwork, of course, of Salvador Dali and Walt Disney, the two mega powers getting together. How did that all come about? So we're going to go, we're going to do kind of a deep dive, you know, on this. topic. Yeah, I'm time. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be fun. Absolutely. Before we get started into that section where I get to interview you, Dave, which I'm stoked about, what? I do I do want to I do want to <laughs> make mention the fact that uh, Indiegogo is 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 ki- killing it for you right now. You've got a brand new project that people can can back which is the house of the future book the house of the future walt disney mit and monsanto's vision of tomorrow and uh congratulations dave thanks very much and and this is
0: a great opportunity for people to uh pre-order this book uh at a discounted price and there's other uh, perks and things in there that they might be interested in including my friend NFTs. I saw that. Non-fungible <laughs> tokens. That's right. I am jumping on that bandwagon oh. and we're we're going to issue uh, a very limited edition uh,
1: NFTs. I love it. Yeah. Please check that out. And uh, it's great that you've got that NFT and a bunch of really cool perks, like I said. Um, but yeah, this book looks great. I love the whole, I, I think the, the Monsanto house is one of the coolest kind of stories that you can delve into because there's so much that goes into it. And it's just one of those classic images of Disneyland past that uh, I love so much.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know something, it, 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 it goes beyond just being cool, you know, a, a cool vintage attraction. It, it, it's really a cool house. And I, I would love to see an architect sort of
1: update it uh, yeah. with today's you know uh building materials you know what Be- yeah it should it really should i mean yeah that house is just super cool and uh I- i'd love to see it updated for sure uh, definitely
0: so thank you for that thank you for that shout out and i hope people check that out um,
1: absolutely yeah please do and another thing before we get into some of our headline news uh, we've been doing these picks of the week. Have you? I know that you've been just binging everything known to man before the. I, I I had been,
0: and <laughs> and this past week I I've just been I've been so busy I haven't consumed as much content as I I would have liked to. But I did go see Uncharted, yeah. uh, in, in an IMAX theater nice. uh, with Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg, uh, and I have to tell you, really fun movie. You know, it, it, it's you know some people are saying. it's sort of a cross between Tomb Raider and Indiana Jones and National Treasure. It has that sort of National Treasure vibe to it. Um, I think this is a a terrific franchise. I hope they do more of them. It was a fun movie. It was a real adventure. Uh, Really well done. Uh, Tom Holland, Mark Wahlberg, uh, great chemistry on screen. Uh, I would uh, give it two thumbs up. Nice. I like it. Yeah, the, the other yeah. thing that I've, I've watched a bunch of episodes of, and this is kind of off the beaten path, uh, Al John, but I think our audience, especially those artists that listen to us, might be interested in seeing this. It's called The Bumgardner Restoration. And it's okay. a show that's on the YouTube channel. yeah and and you know, I've added the YouTube uh, app to our television. So I've watched a number of these episodes, and I have to tell you, this guy does these amazing restoration of paintings. Uh, and just the whole process that he goes through, and he's doing, you know, like museum quality uh, paintings. Yes, uh, doing doing these beautiful restaurants. Restorations. So if you have a chance, check out Bumgardner Restoration on YouTube. Uh, and I, I'm telling you, you'll get addicted to this show. It's absolutely fascinating and really soothing to listen to. I have oh. to tell you, and when, when you listen to an episode
1: uh, of this, uh, you will know exactly what I'm saying. Uh, it, it's really terrific. I love it when these presenters that do the shows have this really calming effect. It's like listening to Bob Ross when he paints his little trees.
0: And that's exactly
1: how this is. So, so check that out on YouTube. Al John, what have you been watching? So uh, probably not so soothing is the brand new <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> you know I had to bring that up. Uh, uh, but you can check it out on Netflix and this is actually the spiritual successor to the original film. It kind of throws... A little bit of the uh, the sequels out of the window a little bit. It's not too bad, um, so I definitely give it a thumbs up. It's uh-huh. much better than some of the other type of reboots that have happened. But it uh-huh. takes the the setting of Texas Chainsaw Massacre and gives you Leatherface and what had happened after the first film, and kind of you know reintroducing a key character who happens to be the final girl of the original film. And what happens when a bunch of social media people come in to revitalize the town where Leatherface lives. And and let me ask you, this is a movie. Yeah, it's a movie. It's uh, director ah. uh, David Blue Garcia, great. And they have a bunch of, you know, really young actors and actresses come in and play those social media people that think they can change the world. They're idealists and they want to bring people in to revive this small town and then this orphanage that happens to be the home of. Leatherface, and his right. caretaker. So you'll get to check that out. Very cool stuff. It's, I, it's much better than the uh, Halloween reboot, or the remake, or not remake, but the sequel with Jamie Lee Curtis, unfortunately. Okay. It's, it's definitely- Okay, and, and
0: and is there gallons of blood in this? Oh, of course. It is.
1: It, <laughs> you know, um, I'm a big fan of the Splat Pack uh, directors, you know, Rob Zombie, Eli Roth, those type, and this one definitely takes cues from that. It's uh, pretty gruesome and- somewhat shocking. Uh, when, when I sat, my wife and I sit and you know, we're no strangers to horror, but when some of those kills happen, we literally, my mouth was on the floor. I was like, I can't believe they just did that. And wow. uh, it's, it's hard for me to, to think of uh, new ways for people to, to get, you know, killed off. But All yeah, right. definitely. Uh, another great and very disturbing documentary is a 2021, uh, 2020 release, uh, the social dilemma it is on netflix uh you know dave i love these documentaries and this one really explores the dangerous impact of social networking uh, which tech experts surrounding the you know sounding the alarm against their own creations you know there's been a bunch of uh feedback from former executives at google and facebook and twitter talking about how this is really hurting our society and it makes me want to literally delete my social media Okay. Yeah, so please uh, uh,
0: I I I'm going to put that on my list of uh documentaries to watch.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's uh it's it's very eye opening and it's all about the crazy algorithm and artificial uh, intelligence that is being gathered and data mined. So please check that out for sure. But by, by the way, you,
0: you just made me remember something when you said uh, artificial intelligence, AI. Yes. Um, there is a documentary dropping, I believe it's on March 9th, on Andy Warhol, the Andy Warhol Diaries. Oh. Uh, and they use AI to recreate his voice. To narrate part of this documentary (laughs) Like Luke Skywalker Yeah I I watched a trailer for it It's going to drop on Netflix Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing this Uh, It's going to delve into uh, Andy Warhol His art, the factory uh, Who he was as a person Sort of behind the scenes Uh, So I think it should be very
1: fascinating That is going to be a fascinating story I love Andy Warhol's work So definitely checking that out And now it's time for
2: Skull Rock Podcast. Ripped from the headlines. It's Skull Rock Podcast Headline News. You know, when you hear the music... We are getting very close to the inaugural launch of Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser and our first guest's journey aboard the Star Cruiser Halcyon. Michael Corey, I think it's fantastic to be able to sit here with you both and just kind of talk about this audacious project that we've undertaken and are about to launch. What's pretty amazing is to think about being in the rooms, seeing concept art years ago while we are building Galaxy's Edge with this in mind. It's incredible to think that we're actually here.
1: Yep. So here it is, the Star Cruiser. It's it's launching and uh, through several weeks and months of soft openings for uh, doing their dry run if you will a uh, s- fresh out of dry dock <laughs> uh, they are moving to the influencers this past week and other assorted press to come in and take a look at what the galactic star cruiser is all about the next step in immersive storytelling and dave the videos, uh, the press has been, the embargo has been lifted and they're showing off everything that this has. And just me talking about it is giving me chills because <laughs> it's everything, you know, the, the fan base when you get passionate fans involved, especially at this high of a price point, and it's pretty expensive to do this two day cruise, this, uh, immersive cruise on the, the halcyon. But it's absolutely amazing. You talk about next generation characters with their eyes and mouth moving, speaking the different languages that are, of course, different than the basic English, if you will. Yeah, um, it's awesome.
0: It, and, and when yeah. you say cruise, I mean it's not a, it's not a cruise. It is a uh, a
1: hotel. Yes, it is a hotel, but that is supposed the to be Galactic Star Cruiser. Yeah, that is supposed to be a basically a cruise ship in the Star Wars universe. Uh, That's the backdrop. So
0: look, look, this, this is fantastic. I mean, this is really, you know, the headline was the next step in immersive storytelling. This really is taking uh, an immersive uh, theme park attraction to the next level. You know, because you're, you're immersing your guests in like 24-7 yeah. uh, at, at, at a property. And I think that's great. I think what would be the real next step is to actually have Disney build a small cruise ship, you know, one that has maybe, you know, four or 500 guests uh, and make it completely themed and immersive. And once you leave the dock, you, you're, you're in that world. You know what I mean?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the effects, the actors who portray those people that are going through the different itineraries with you and the different kind of chaos that ensues. I mean, it's fully immersive and people are like, man, it's too expensive to stay at this hotel. It guys, it's not a hotel. You are living. It's like going into an escape room or going into something. It's completely immersive and the animatronics these people these actors they all are dressed up as aliens and there's droids moving around you freely serving drinks the entertainment looks great and people like to slag on on this project and maybe some of the promos were a little cringeworthy um but i think they've made up for it i think they've totally made up for it. well you
0: know you know something uh, uh, the um the reservations are gonna determine uh the
1: success of this yes yeah, you know, and, uh and I have no doubt it's going to be hugely successful. Absolutely. So uh, be on the lookout for that, uh, all those things that, that happen. I wish that we were there to experience it ourselves. Um, but here's something. Uh, Davey sent me this note. Disney releases its 2021 Corporate Social Responsibility Report promoting greater diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, just a little quick snippet. Last year, company-wide initiative called Reimagine Tomorrow launched. And it is... Um, Basically taking a look at acquiring new talent at historically black colleges, directing more than $150 million of the company's annual charitable uh, giving to programs for those unrepresented communities. So, yeah, I think that's that's great that people are looking at Disney and Disney's giving an opportunity to people that otherwise would not have even thought about working for the mouse.
0: Yeah. And, you know, something this is this is always a uh, I think a very positive and heartwarming uh, report when it's released every year, because there's a lot of stuff this company does behind the scenes for people. Uh, That most people aren't aware of, you know, and I know I've talked before about, uh, you know, the Make-A-Wish Foundation and all the wishes that the company grants to, you know, terminally ill uh, children uh, for visits to the parks and things like that. I mean, you know, they've been doing this for decades Uh, upon decades and uh, kudos to them uh, for continuing uh, all this good work Uh, a lot of it behind the scenes they don't they don't promote uh, very much of this you
1: know no but the volunteers ears volunteers effort yeah uh, does amazing stuff they've donated and delivered more than 400,000 Disney themed toys and other items to children's hospitals in need uh, they do so much of that. So kudos yeah. to the Walt Disney Company for continuing to keep these people, um, you know, uh, outfitting them with what they need, which is great. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I love this. Paramount's Star Trek sequel. We talked about it, right? You, last week you said uh, Chris Pine and everybody's back in the captain's chair. They're getting ready to go into the Starship Enterprise for yet Star Trek four under J.J. Abrams. <laughs> and then you realize uh, there's a record scratch moment. Guess what? Uh, we didn't know about this. Uh, none of the
0: none of the, I, I or the managers <laughs> knew about I, it. I, I just laughed so hard when I read this story because you know uh, Paramount, uh, you know Paramount Plus was doing a big um, you know investor uh, uh, Wall Street uh, dog and pony show, and and they made this announcement um, uh, about you know this Star Wars, excuse me, Star Trek sequel. Uh, And none of the stars were aware of it And none of them have even done their deals yet you know, which it seems to me like they kind of shot themselves in the foot a bit, uh, getting ahead of themselves to tout this at an investor day. So uh, it's comical. But, uh, you know, all I can say is I hope it doesn't upset the apple cart. And I really do hope that uh, all these uh, actors uh, and stars come back to do a new Star, uh, Star Trek uh, movie. It's a great franchise
1: <laughs> it is. i I don't even know what to say about it. we're We're on the, We're on the <laughs> precipice of having the next season of Picard launch, which looks amazing for one. I'm a huge fan uh, of Patrick Stewart and, of course, Patrick Stewart making waves in the news because he was part of the. Uh, supposedly part of the dr strange uh, multiverse of madness trailer which uh, we know that's actually him um so there's a, a more possibilities for patrick stewart man but what what a great opportunity for star trek fans if this was actually going to happen so yeah we yeah. shall see hey speaking of great stuff that's uh i guess debuting we had a brand new teaser trailer for the boys uh, diabolical which premieres march 4th and unlike the live action uh, boys seasons that have taken place uh, seasons one and two this one is animated and it looks like it's just a you know eight episodes of just really edgy and raw animation uh from the the series of the boys uh, which is basically about uh, a perverted justice league if you will
0: yeah. So, uh, yep. Yeah. I have watched the live action series. It's, yeah. Uh. Uh. Which, which I thought was really well done Senior. and uh really twisted. Uh, <laughs> and, uh. And uh. And I watched the trailer for this. Uh. So you know it's it, it's animation. It it, it it sort of harkens back to that He Man animation yeah. kind of uh Filmation. Filmation days. Yeah. 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 So yeah. uh that's coming along. And and there's also uh debuting uh or Actually, it's not debuting. It's streaming now as Free Guy uh, yep. on Disney+. Plus. Yep. Yep. Uh, and I saw this in the theaters. I, I thought it was a terrific movie. I just love Ryan Reynolds. Anything he does, he could just stand in front of a camera and, and say hi to you. And you know, you, you're just going to feel good about
1: it. Yeah, it he seems he, like the he, nicest guy in showbiz, does yeah. not he?
0: Yeah, he he's just terrific. And uh, you know, if Ryan, uh if you're listening to our podcast, you know, you're always welcome to come on as
1: a guest. Oh, one hundred percent. Another thing that Disney Plus is streaming now is the original shorts, Ice Age Scrat Tales, available uh coming soon, April thirteenth to Disney Plus. It follows baby scrat. And, uh, you know, the nut doesn't fall far from the tree. So that's uh, always <laughs> great to see these little shorts there. It's great storytelling. I love the little short uh, short. And, and, you know, Ice Age is just a great franchise. Oh, it's yeah, really absolutely. Terrific. Absolutely. Well, and we also have a sad bit of news. Sally Kellerman, Hot Lips Houlihan in M.A.S.H., dies at the age of 84 the Oscar and that's and that's mash the movie Mash the movie yes mash yes. the movie. Uh, the Oscar nominated actress and singer also starred in back to school opposite Rodney Dangerfield and on Marin. Um, she is I mean Wowie she was such a, a beautiful also wonderfully sounding for, known for her her voice um, in that and uh, of course uh, playing in Robert Altman's mash movie had passed away. She also had a song and uh, written a tune for Grand Funk Railroad as well. Um, I remember her. She was absolutely amazing and what a knockout.
0: And, and you know something uh mash uh the original movie by robert altman uh what a great classic film that is you know that and, and when i saw this come across i was sad to see this uh but it made me want to watch that again oh, um, yeah. i haven't seen it in a long time and i'm
1: going to make it a point to try and watch it this coming week yeah 100 please check that out and uh, i would absolutely love to check out uh, the uh rodney dangerfield film too because uh that was great back to school is such a great film and rodney dangerfield is also very underrated these days but uh uh, you will be miss ellie killerman and uh, at least go back and, and watch her films for sure yeah the
0: dali news time stretches on all the news artist salvador dali wants you to see dateline hollywood november 1945 world famous surrealist painter salvador dali and
2: animation pioneer walt disney have reached a decision to produce a surrealist animated film in a new medium never yet tried a film dali describes as the first
0: motion picture of the never seen before
1: And there you have it, the entry, the little reel there, the little reel from that A Date with Destino documentary. And we're here talking to Dave Bossert about the actual film, Destino. <laughs> I
0: feel funny about being a guest on our uh, podcast, but I guess I am.
1: Well, shall, shall I just, uh, <laughs> do you want me to read your accolades? I could do that if you want. No,
0: no, 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 not at all. <laughs> no, but you know, I, I think our, I think it's important for our listeners to know that, you know, from time to time, uh, we're going to do a show of just Al, John, and me talking about some aspect of a project that I was involved with. And we had gotten an email from a listener Uh, asking about destino and we decided to just do a whole show on destino because we could right
1: absolutely let me tell you that this short is absolutely amazing i i remember seeing it and i was going man this is really good but when i recently was doing the show prep for this i mean obviously you've written a book on it We've got the Spanish influence, uh, that type of culture, in the Disney resorts. But I watched it again on Disney+, Plus and it is just amazing. It absolutely is amazing. Um, Salvador Dali and Walt Disney's Destino features that kind of love story. I think Walt Disney said it in this documentary. He had, he had mentioned that it was kind of like it's a, a age-old trope, you know, a boy, boy loves girl and boy meets girl, right? Uh, or girl meets boy, right? And then you have the characters of time and this this woman that time could not uh, capture. It's kind of a star-crossed lovers, if you will, around all of Dolly's art. But the question is, uh, how are you able to put the pieces together from a documentary that had been shelved since the 40s?
0: Well, you know, the great thing about the Walt Disney uh, company as a whole. Uh, is that they really care for their assets. You know, uh, the the film library has been completely digitized. Uh, and, you know, all of those great early animated feature films uh, from Snow White forward, it, and, as well as a lot of the shorts from the 30s, you know, have all been digitized and uh, digital restorations have been done. So they really care for not only the film library, but also the art generated for a lot of those animated films for all of those animated films and uh, and projects that were developed to a certain place and then Shelved, as we like to say, um, uh, and put into the morgue, which is now the animation research library. But back in the 40s, they just referred to it as the morgue. It was where dead projects went, you know? And so all all that artwork would go away. Um, And so, you know, when you start on uh, reviving something like that, you have a foundation. And in this case, the uh, Destino film itself uh, had been uh, storyboarded out by Dali and John Hench and a story artist named Bob Cormack. And so all of those story panels uh, were uh, saved for the most part and And by the way, when you pin up story panels onto these four foot by eight foot boards, these storyboards, they used to, you know, take the images and put them up. It's almost in comic strip format. Um, uh, They would take photographs of those boards. So we also had these old uh, uh, photo stats, if you will, of uh, of the boards pinned up. So so that was hugely helpful. So when you have all of that material and you still have one of the filmmakers alive, uh, and that would be John Hench at the time, uh, you really have all the
1: pieces I think you need to actually finish a project like that. Amazing. The the kind of boilerplate we have for Destino says over a half century in the making. Witnessed a stunning collaboration of two of the world's most renowned artists, Destino began in 1945 as a joint venture between Salvador Dali and Walt Disney, but production was halted when the studio ran into financial difficulties. Finally completed by Walt's nephew, Roy, Roy E. Disney, in 2003, Destino features the tragic love story of Kronos, the personification of time, and a mortal woman as they seek out each other throughout the surreal landscape's so often used in the paintings of Salvador Dali. So, when I am watching this this film, obviously, all those story panels you mentioned were brought to life in that style that Dali uh, is known for. But when you when when you are doing a project like this, and you are you are you are getting the original, um, you know, filmmaker filmmakers involved in this with John Hench, um what do you say to john um you you do you call him and say john we just unearthed all the stuff you did with salvador dolly and we want to complete the picture or is that something roy e disney did how did that yeah actually that,
0: happen? that was that was a roy thing you know that that was roy going and talking to to john hench john was fully aware that all of the animation uh you know the uh uh, story panels and the uh, visual development artwork and, the, and even the uh, uh, six finished paintings that Dali had done for the film, uh, John was aware of all that artwork. In fact, all of the Destino artwork migrated with him when he went from the Burbank studio and the animation department to Walt Disney Imagineering. Mm -hmm. and which would have been Wed Enterprises when he went over there. Uh, All of that artwork went into uh, the uh, research library archive uh, at Walt Disney Imagineering. And so he knew it was there. Uh, By the way, that artwork was then uh, moved. Um, We took all of the artwork from the Imagineering archives Uh, we took it up to a facility at where I was working. Uh, It was called the uh, North side building. Uh, And it was a building up by the Burbank airport. And there was a uh, scanning, uh, scanning department uh, there uh, where we had uh, essentially had done high resolution scans of all of the artwork that had survived. Uh, And once all those high-res scans were done, then the physical art went to the animation research library, which is where it is today, right? And so, you know, they lend out some of those pieces for museum exhibitions from time to time. Uh, But all of that original artwork is housed at the animation research library.
1: Was this art the same art that went on display when destino was completed in yes dolly museum yes absolutely you know and and by the way it's interesting to point out that um
0: you know and i talk about this in the book and we can go into this at some point Mm -hmm. uh, if you want to but uh most of the destino artwork was stolen by an employee of the studio and sold to uh two different collectors. And then one of the collectors bought the other collector's collection of Destino art and then uh, tried to get uh, Dali to sign a lot of the artwork. And that's how the studio found out the artwork was stolen. Oh, and my. There were lawsuits. And then most of that artwork came back to the studio, but not all of it. There were pieces missing. And there has been some pieces that have surfaced in recent years. I, I went down and have authenticated uh, some of the some of that work, but there was also, um, uh, a, I mean, essentially. Uh, you know, the artwork has had sort of a sordid past, if you will, mm-hmm. because there were some pieces that turned up in a dispute between uh, a gallery owner and art collector. And those were confiscated by the LA County Sheriff's department. Mm-hmm. And those couple of pieces were turned over to the studio. And one of them had uh, a badly forged uh, dolly signature that was covered up. Uh, you know, so there, there was all these weird little things going on, mm-hmm. but, but, Ultimately, uh, all of the artwork that we are aware of
1: is is repatriated with the studio. You got to you got to think, you know, with someone uh, of such a sought after, you know, artist like Salvador Dali, you know, he's not just just I mean, he is unique. He is a legend. He's beyond legend. And the fact that people want his work so much, you're going to find, you know, knockoffs everywhere. Everyone's trying to, you know, knock off his art.
0: (laughs) Well, Dolly in particular had had some issues because later in his life, he wound up signing a lot of, um, you know, print paper, you know, yeah. uh, art paper, uh, just signing the paper and then prints were done on that paper later after he had passed away. I and see. so, so there is a definitive catalog of what's real and what's not, uh, uh of the Dolly artworks, uh, out there. Right. Right. But I, but I have to tell you, uh, for people in the United States, if you want to see in a, a very impressive collection of um uh Dali artwork uh it's at the it's at the Dali Art Museum in St Petersburg Florida believe it or not mm-hmm. and I've been to that uh museum a few times I've spoken at that museum and I've also spoken over at the Gala and Salvador Dali uh museum in Figueres Spain uh, And home I, home. Have to te- yeah. I have to tell you The collection that they have Down in, in St. Petersburg, Florida Is actually better than the collection In Spain, I think yeah. um, it, it, It's kind of crazy To think about that But uh, it's just a, a fact I mean, there's some iconic paintings uh, At uh, the, the St. Petersburg Museum mm-hmm. And by the way I, I kind of got sidetracked Talking about the stolen art and everything But I did want people to know that there's actually a handful of, um, uh, drawings. Uh, they were sort of like development drawings out of Dolly's sketchbooks uh, that are related to, um, Destino that are at the museum in Spain. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's really kind of cool. Uh, and, you know, because I was doing this book and doing this research, we were able to put a little agreement in place where we could swap uh, some letters and scans of letters and scans of artwork between Disney and the museum. And uh, it, it was a nice uh, sort of a, a exchange of art, if you will, uh, and documentation. Uh, and some of which is in my book. Um, and I was so thrilled to to be able to write that
1: book man and it's 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 an amazing amazing book and for those of you that can still pick it up um at bookstores and you know online i would definitely seek it out because it's one of the very first books that uh has this multimedia attachment to it right dave
0: well, there's two versions, right? There, there's the regular book version, and then there's this limited edition version that actually has a seven inch, uh, flat panel screen in it. Uh, so when you open the cover on the inside of the front cover, um, there's actually a seven inch digital screen that you just press a button underneath and you can watch the Destino short. So cool. Um, I think they only made like 2,500 of them. And I think yeah. there's probably a handful still available. Um, Um, and, uh, you know, if you, if you hit it right on some of the online retailers, you might be able to get it for a deal.
1: Let's go back to the very beginning. You know, you, you have Walt Disney being enamored, I guess, one of the, I guess his uh, staff artists had a book of, of Dali, and yeah, it was actually Mark Davis. Was it Mark Davis? Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Walt, Walt went into Mark Davis's office and actually saw a, a, a book on Dolly's artwork uh, sitting there.
1: Nice. So, so he sees the artwork. Of course, a lot of people know his work, uh, "Persistence of Memory," which is the you know, surrealist uh, legendary uh, painting he did with the melting clocks and things of that nature. But so he gets enthralled with this. He borrows a book from Mark Davis, and then he comes back with this like, I think we need to uh collaborate with this guy. Is that how that kind of starts out? Like in that No.
0: Uh, I think that it w- it was more uh you know an example of the artists at the studio, including Walt who was also an artist uh, being curious about what was going on what, what were the popular artists of the day uh-huh. uh, you know and, and and after the success of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs the Disney Studios became kind of a mecca for artists you know you, you had you know all different kinds of artists you know uh, visual artists and performing artists you had musicians you know Stokowski and Stravinsky and you know all these folks were come into the studio. Uh, Walt, you know, visited with Norman Rockwell. Uh, There was this, you know, sense of there was something happening at the Disney Studios. And, uh, And so I think... As, as it's probably true today I, I mean as an artist i know it is i see things you know i read an article in the paper where i' i see that there's a museum exhibit on a certain artist and i want to go see that uh and and after i i view the exhibition i go into the gift shop and i want to buy the book uh you know the the show catalog and and all of that and you, you know you're just interested in in these different uh artists and the techniques and the images that they're creating. And so I think it was the same then. Uh, you know, that's why Mark had this uh, picture, you know, this book uh, on Dolly's artwork. And, uh, and when Walt came in and saw it, he asked if he could borrow it. And then he ultimately uh, uh, wound up uh, getting uh, his own copy, uh, which Dolly eventually signed for him. Right. So,
1: so he, he gets inspired by the artists of, of the moment right now, uh, Salvador Dali. He gets, he gets into it and the studio itself is, had just released Snow White getting ready to, or is working on Bambi, right? This is, this is the timeline, you know, Bambi is getting ready uh, or is in pre-production. And then the war, uh, the war breaks out and, for a number of years, Disney has been regulated to cease all other production for wartime propaganda films and the like. Of course, you've written about this as well, uh, Dave. But the 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 only thing that is continuing production, kind of in the background is the Salvador Dali thing uh, is it
0: no 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 not really so so let, let me give you the timeline okay, here because yeah, please. you know the, the, to me you know um uh you've got Walt uh he does this uh trip co- that's called El Grupo yes. takes a group of artists i think it's like 1941ish uh he takes this group of artists down uh to central and south america uh to goodwill tour uh and out of it you get Saludos Amigos and uh, Three Caballeros. And uh, you also get a series of educational films uh, that are targeted to the uh, Latin American markets. Um, and on that trip, Uh, Walt actually meets a lot of uh, artists in these different countries. He also purchases some some music and some songs uh, uh, along the way, including uh, My Destiny of Love, uh, which was written by Armando Domingo, who is a uh, very well-known at the time uh, Mexican film composer. Right. So, so Walt's, you know, picking things up and whatnot. It's not until 1945 uh, that Walt actually meets Salvador Dali and he meets him because Dali is in Hollywood. He's fled Europe because of, uh, of the war and actually he uh, Dali fled in the late thirties and was splitting his time between New York, Los Angeles and Carmel, California. And um, he left during the Spanish Civil War. Uh, and of course, then World War II broke out. Salvador Dali's working uh, on an Alfred Hitchcock picture at Warner Brothers, Yes, spellbound. Yes. He's doing the dream sequence. He does all these big you know, flats and backdrops for the dream sequence. And uh, Jack Warner has a party at his house. Uh, Dali is there and Walt Disney's there. And that's when they first meet. And Walt can speak a little bit of French. Dolly doesn't really speak very much uh, English, but he speaks French and Spanish. Uh, And uh, they seem to have a connection. And out of that uh, meeting... Um, they start discussing potentially doing a project. Now, this is August of 1945. And by January of 1946, Salvador Dali's at the Disney studio starting to work and develop Destino. And he chose that piece of music that Walt now owns because he liked the uh, the destiny, the 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 destiny, uh, my destiny of love. He had this thing about uh, you know destiny and a fascination with it, and so he, that's why he chose the piece of music. Uh, and so that recording for the short is the actual recording that was done in 1946 uh, for the short itself, and it's obviously gone through like I think three or four digital uh, restorations to clean it up.
1: So that's amazing. You dropped a lot of knowledge there, Dave, as we <laughs> clean up the timeline. But let's talk about the music. You know, Walt Disney had picked up that music on his tour of Latin America. and he And so the music is great, but the music that's in the film, the actual film itself, this kind of great ballad, flamenco guitar in the background, just wonderful music. Um, that was like in a demo track, right you got in, 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 in
0: well, you know something the surviving um, acetate uh, it wasn 't even a vinyl it was an acetate recording uh-huh. um, that that had survived uh, and was you know digitally uh, scanned uh, but it had gone through what, what we lovingly referred to as the black box at Sony uh they have their own proprietary uh software for for cleaning up sound yeah and uh and as i recall it went through it went through that restoration process like 3 or 4 times over over a period of years uh and uh it got rid of all the hisses and pops and all of the scratchy sounds that you get on those old recordings uh and uh and so that that was uh uh again the original core song of the short there was another a composer contemporary composer who was brought in to do that the title and
1: end credit um uh music right wow It's interesting, the entire time you're trying to replicate the song and the soundtrack, and I think you were, the the documentary uh, shows you guys, I guess, in the screening room, and then Roy Disney says something to the effect of, we just want to put a needle drop there because we can't get as authentic as this. This is just a great recording and you yeah, decided to do so, it.
0: So I mean it got clean the 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 music got cleaned up to a certain point, but it wasn't perfect. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like you had recorded it on a perfect sound stage and uh, and it was nice and clean it still sounded dated a little bit and by adding the needle drop at the beginning it really sort of ties all of the the new music that was recorded for the titles and the end credits uh and the song in the middle it
1: ties it all together it's so seamless it's great now during this time dave you're working on fantasia 2000 as No, you you're finished working. I finished. Yeah, but I,
0: I, you know what I I I said this in the book, and I and I'll say it to you. uh, The the seed was planted while we were working on Fantasia 2000 for the Destino project to be completed. Mm-hmm. It, it was planted in the late nineties when we were having discussions about the interstitials for Fantasia 2000. Mm-hmm. And there was one interstitial in particular, it's hosted by Bette Midler. And she talks about the Disney that never was, you know, those projects that kind of came and went and, you know, that got developed to a certain point And then got shelved and went to the morgue and all of that kind of stuff. And, uh, and and Roy, and I remember this vividly, we were in a conference room. Roy asked, um, if, if they could pull out some of the, uh, Destino art and use a couple of pieces of the Destino art for that segment. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, because it was one of those projects that wasn't completed. And that's really, I think what, you know, from him asking that It got the wheels turning for him to say Hey, let's go Finish this project, you know And, you know, because he was Very much uh, Interested in documenting uh, The family history I mean, the Disney Studios, you know Was a family business Up to a certain point, sure. you know And and he was very much In favor of making sure uh, Parts of that uh, Company history got documented and taken care of uh, appropriately
1: we're skipping around the timeline a little bit but yeah let's go back then to walt having salvador Dali working on this film right so what was so the the film was inspired by this piece of music as this stuff and the concepts came together is walt disney Meeting with Dolly and yeah. with John Hinch so, and, and getting this.
0: Yeah, so when 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 Dolly came to the studio in January 1946 and started working, and actually, you know, uh you know, he he had a time card. You know, he he you know came into work like other artists, and you know, he had an office and he did his work in his office. Um, I remember John Hench saying that, you know, Dali was like he had a fountain of ideas all the time, you know. So they had actually opened up the soundtrack a few times to try and accommodate some of the ideas. Uh, But um, he, Walt, assigned John Hench to work with Dali. And part of the reason for that was that John knew how to do an animated film. Right. So how do you take some of these ideas and then formulate it into a storyline? Story and that's really what John Hench was doing and Bob Cormack as well. Uh, they were they were making these ideas that John, that. Dali was coming up with fit into a li- more linear storyline. So you had a, uh, a story and, and the segment really was going to be slated for a Fantasia like movie. Wh- what we refer to as a package picture. Mm. Um, and so anyway, as, as Hench and Dali are primarily working on the project and Bob Cormack comes in, uh, to help out, uh, uh, Walt is dropping by periodically uh, to see how things are progressing. Uh, and, you know, after World War II ended in 1945, uh, there, uh, you know, there was pressure on the studio, uh, pressure to start turning out feature films. And, and their distributor didn't want any more package pictures. Uh, You know, you got to remember that. I think it was Bambi was the was the last regular feature before the war. Mm -hmm. And then you had uh, some package pictures done during the war. Uh, And a lot of shorts done But also the studio turned out Between 41 and 1945 Almost two It was over 200 uh, Training films And you know uh, Propaganda uh, shorts And uh, military or war related shorts And they were doing all kinds of stuff That was related to the war And when the war ended All of those contracts dried up So they needed to start getting their act together. And the other thing people don't realize is that when the war broke out, everybody thinks World War II is 1941 to 1945. Well, that was when the U.S. was involved. But the war actually broke out in Europe in 1939 with the invasion of Poland Mm -hmm. by the Nazis. And so you started, these countries started falling to to the Nazis uh, during uh, those early years. And you, uh, uh, the studio itself started losing its, european revenue from the theaters Mm -hmm. which made up about a third of the company's revenue coming in yeah it's huge uh so so you know when pinocchio opened uh there were certain parts of europe that you know they weren't going to get revenue from they couldn't release the film in so that's why that's part of the reason why uh pinocchio didn't perform as well as uh snow white did
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so I'm just trying to put all of this in the context for, for everybody. But the uh, the fact was that uh, when you uh, start looking at Destino early on and why it stopped production and why it got shelved, I think you have to start to look at the fact that you have an artist who is Incredibly well known at that point in you know mid-century, um, he is you know the one of the founders of the Surrealism movement. His works are in museums. He's having you know big shows. He's a he's a you know a personality if you will, a celebrity uh, artist, and um, and he has a distinct style and view of art. Uh, and you also have Walt Disney who's established a house style uh, with animation and taking animation to the nth degree, as we see through the 30s with, you know, experimentation and improvement in creating dimensional animation and these very dimensional uh, scenes, the multiplane camera and all of this stuff, And, you know, you put these two guys together. I think that, and I I write about this in the book, I think that Dolly, in a sense, wanted a lot of what Walt had, which was that Walt was this popularist artist. And uh, Dolly was this avant-garde fine artist, the leader of the surrealism movement. And I think Walt wanted a little bit of that fine art sheen on him. Uh, and that's kind of what attracted the two of them together. Uh, and, uh, you know, when you sort of step back and look at Destino, you immediately go, that is more Dali than it is Disney, you know? And I, and I remember, I remember uh, Roy saying, could you imagine if they had released this in, in the 1940s, the late 1940s? Like people would have, like they wouldn't have known what to make of it. No, they, well, people still don't you know? know what to
1: make of it. To yeah, some, but, to some but, some degree, now, but
0: but now, but, but today, people understand it was a collaboration between yes. Disney and Dolly. Yes. But back then, if it went out under the Walt Disney label as a finished film, people yeah. would have been like, "What in the heck are we looking at?" You yes. know? it it was so it was it was so Dolly esque, uh, and I think. Aside from the financial situation at the studio, which I think is a valid you know, reason as to why it got shelved, I also do think that it had gone a little bit, it was a little too far away from the Disney style. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was too Dolly-esque. And I think that was probably also one of the reasons. Because had they continued, they were paying Dolly a, a small fortune weekly to be there to work on this project. And if the distributors didn't want any more packaged pictures um, and Walt was under pressure to get more features going, which he did, you know, he had song of the South in production, which was a hybrid live action animated film, but he also put Alice in Wonderland and Cinderella into production. Mm -hmm. And by the way, it wasn't until uh, Cinderella was released uh, that, uh, the company was really back in the black again, financially, you know, uh, uh they, they were struggling in the late forties. Uh, and so, you know, there was a lot of pressure on them to, to keep, uh, you know, revenue coming in and keep the studio afloat. Uh, so I can, I can
1: understand why they shelved the project, uh, when they did. When they shelved the project, was there any type of animosity between the two giants?
0: None whatsoever. Uh, You know, Bob Cormac uh, was laid off a little bit later after Dolly had left the studio. Um, There there were, you know, staff reductions. But Walt and Salvador Dolly remained friends for the rest of their lives. And um, and, you know, Walt and Lillian went to visit uh, Gala and Salvador Dali at their home in uh, uh, in um, uh, Port Lagat, which is right near right. uh is a be- beautiful, beautiful uh, home. Uh- uh, but but Walt and Lillian went over in in the mid mid to late fifties. I think it was fifty six or fifty seven. They went over and visited, and and during that visit, uh, Walt and Dolly talked about possibly doing uh, another project together, a feature, maybe El Cid or Man from La Mancha. Uh, and Dolly had done some drawings for those uh uh you know just some some sketches and you know sketch some ideas uh but nothing really came of it but not don quixote right uh i'm not sure it might have been don quixote yeah i was I thinking don't know. i was thinking it, i
1: was thinking yeah, there I, yeah. I was reading that there was maybe talk about doing a don quixote at, at some point but uh that all makes a lot of sense but maybe he wasn't uh, maybe uh maybe dolly no no wasn't it wasn't
0: I, the don quixote project actually was w- was back in the uh in the early 2000s uh oh, okay. that was being developed i believe by um uh the uh the britzy brothers gotcha yeah, yeah, yeah there's so
1: much i mean there's a lot of those fabled um stories and maybe dolly would have been able to provide some conceptual art you know, for that, but I, I I do see what you're saying, Dave. That that film is very Dolly esque. Although, um, there there are some great Disney elements, um, story moments, there are beats. There's some certain things that are very Disney like in there that I can see, uh, especially. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's not all uh, at all lost, but I do I do see that maybe, you know, it's the whole Marty McFly. You know, uh, you you're you you might not be ready for it but your kids are going to love it right kind of situation <laughs> yeah. right um, yeah. so so going now this this art in this project has been shelved you know, Roy E. Disney is preserving the family legacy, putting out this, uh, uh, this project and, and task you to be the producer uh, for this short. Um, there really wasn't a lot of film. Um, I think uh, um, there was maybe a little bit of a, a reel uh, that uh, maybe John Hench had put together or something like that, like a few seconds of footage on a multiplane camera
0: well yeah so i first off i i'm a i was associate producer on the okay. project okay, associate okay. Producer, so yes. i was associate producer, yes, associate producer. Uh, just to be clear on that <laughs> um, uh, Roy was executive producer and Baker bloodworth was the producer and um and yes you're correct John hench during production uh, back in forty six uh nineteen forty six uh actually did a a very short little piece of it's about an eighteen second piece of Animation—it's the two fate heads coming together that form the little ballerina in the uh, negative space between the two faces. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a funny story there because uh, Dolly was up in Carmel, and John Hench went up to Carmel with this piece of film. And there was a there was a theater, a small movie theater in Carmel, and they made arrangements with the manager of the theater to come in after the last showing was over and the theater was empty and uh john hench had the projectionist put this piece of film up and they ran it for for dolly and gala uh and um uh you, you have to imagine that the theater is dark you've got john hench you've got gala you got salvador uh sitting in the theater They run this piece of film, and when it finishes, it's only 18 seconds. When it finishes in the dark, they hear, good God, what was that? (laughs) And and when the (laughs) lights came up, there was a custodian standing there who was cleaning up the theater. (laughs) Uh, 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 (laughs) Now, by the way, that 18-second piece of film, we digitally – Broke it apart,
1: cleaned it up, uh, put it all back together, uh, and it's in the film. So the process, and brilliant stuff. So the the process of, of doing that and putting these clips... Um, because there wasn't any, any actual footage that you guys had put together, uh, basically starting from scratch, basically from a story, re- a storyboard, basically, right. All this art, yeah, but,
0: but, but even the storyboard, even though there were pictures and stuff like that, there was some confusion as to how the story, uh, storyboards flowed. Okay. And it was really Don Ernst, uh, wow. who, uh, was part of the team who figured out. How the uh, the story panels all uh, fit together properly. Gotcha.
1: So another piece of the puzzle, if you will, uh, for Destino is actually the director. How did how was uh, finding Dominique Monfrey, um and uh, you know how did it go down? Because you were working. In the States, but there's also a lot of uh, French art in, in, in people there. Well, in, in part yeah, of the you know, uh,
0: the Disney animation had a studio, had satellite studios mm-hmm. during that period of time. There was a satellite studio in Orlando, Florida, and there was a satellite studio in uh, Paris, France. And, uh, you know, Dolly, uh, although a Spaniard, Uh, you know, spent a lot of his time living in Paris and, you know, founded the surrealism movement in Paris. And so, uh, you know, it's like his second home and really to finish this film, I I think everybody kind of felt like it needed the sensibility of uh, a European artist uh, and uh, they needed they needed a project, uh, to fill in a gap at the Paris studio. Uh, and, um, Dominique, uh, was one of the top animators there. Uh, and they wanted to give him an opportunity, uh, to direct this. And, uh, which by the way, I think he turned down initially. Oh, because he, he, he really, I think felt, um, uh, overwhelmed by it. Uh, he felt like it was, uh, it, it was too much for him. Uh, but after a couple of conversations with, with Roy and a few other folks, um, uh, he, he came around and, uh, and, and stepped into the helm of it. And I think did a fantastic job. I mean, really I would say probably 95% of the work on that project was done at the Paris studio with the remainder of it being done in Los Angeles uh, with compositing and putting stuff together and color models and things like that.
1: How does it work for you, Dave, working, um, co-producing this? Are you able to do a lot of that stuff based out of the studio in California or, or oh, yeah. you go back and forth, you traveling, Yeah. Back and forth? You know,
0: I, Roy was over at the Paris studio uh, uh, somewhat more frequently while the project was in production because he made it a point that if he was in Europe on business for other things that he would make it a point to go into Paris and go and visit the team in Paris.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So as you guys, the team work, steadfast on this project from start to finish how long did it actually take you to uh did it it take for the team to put this project together
0: you know i think it was probably 18 months to two years tops uh uh but you know again the the seed was planted uh uh in the uh late 90s while we were working on Fantasia 2000 and there were some legal things that had to get worked out as well uh because you know Dolly had signed a contract with the with the studio uh and so a big big part of it early on before even there was any production done uh to to finish this uh, uh a lot of the uh sort of legal aspects of it had to be, uh, ironed out. And that really was, uh, Ed Nowak, who was the deputy chief counsel for the company, Who is just, I mean, an, an absolutely terrific guy. And, uh, you know, I think everybody, you know, has to give him a lot of credit for, um, uh, for ironing out the legalities of the contract and interpretations and all of that kind of stuff
1: that's once again just really really cool stuff there and i i think it's important to note that not only is it just a, a wonderful six and a half seven minute long short if you will if i put long and short yeah. together in the same same breath but it is just absolutely stunning um this also includes something that uh, you're no stranger to dave which is the use of computer generated graphics right? Used a little bit of computer graphics in this project. You know,
0: there, there's a little bit in there, um, and also I would say that it's primarily a 2D animated short that also has a little stop motion in it, mm. and the computer aspect of it uh, is really primarily the digital compositing and some of the effects and things like that that were done uh, through the CAP system that we were working uh, working with.
1: Gotcha. Well, I, I believe that, um, this, this project, uh, is, is just one that people need to check out. Um, I think it's absolutely beautiful. I, I can't tell you how many times, uh, uh, I've said that, but, uh, it was also nominated for an Oscar and won, uh, multiple awards. Uh, so. I guess that's something else to be really proud of. Oh,
0: no, absolutely. And the, there's a couple of things I wanted to point out. Yeah, sure. Uh, there, uh, at the very beginning of the film, you see the signatures unveiled. Yes, uh, love that part. Uh, so, so Salvador Dali's signature, we actually scanned off the contract he signed with the company. <laughs> and uh, awesome. and we, we purposely said, Walter E. Disney, Ah, Instead of just Walt Disney because right. we wanted to distinguish Walt as the person, the artist, ah. Walter E. Disney, not the company that it's become, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so we use Walter E. Disney and we scan that off of an early stock certificate. <laughs> so that's actually his signature. And then obviously did the animation reveal to look like it was being written on each, each of the signatures.
1: You know, I love... How the two there's so many parallels between the relationship of Dolly and Disney, there's mutual respect there is there is a love of and respect between the two artists, and I think it's reflected actually in the piece itself, you know it's yes, it's a love story between time and this this mortal woman, right the Chronos character and this mortal woman and how time is fleeting and that for a moment she she's going through dancing her way through life in different segments but she can't really find her true love but yet later on time catches up and even though they're far apart and divided by you know time and space that he still carves a place for that love in his heart and i feel that way about dolly and disney that there is that kind of uh, harmonious love and mutual respect between these two giants, these artists coming together for this collaboration. Is that something that, am I, I too far I off definitely,
0: No, no, I definitely agree with you because I do feel as though there was, there was this warmth and friendship between the two of them that transcended the project and lasted longer than the project in their lifetimes. Uh, and, So I think, you know, again, this is, this is, you know, two individuals who wanted to do something together and work together, you know, and uh, although the project itself wasn't finished uh, during their lifetimes, it eventually was finished, uh, they still were friends. You know, and, and by the way, um, uh, while I was doing research for the book over uh, at the uh, foundation, the museum and foundation in Spain, um, uh, I came across a letter uh, from Walt on the um, uh, uh, the Carolwood Pacific Rail- Railway uh, uh, or railroad uh, letterhead. Uh, where he wrote to Dolly and made Dolly a vice president of the Carolwood uh, Railway. And, uh, and he had a special pass that was hand-signed by Walt. And this was, you know, it's over uh, at the museum. Uh, and um, uh, his only obligation was if he was in the vicinity, uh, that he would uh, drop by for a ride on the Fairweather route. Uh, and so it was really kind of a, 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 fun little find and And I have, uh, I, I put that, those images in the
1: book as well. I love the stuff you put in the book. That's, that's great stuff because you're such a friend and we're such a friend to Roy E. Disney putting together well, this I, passion project. Um, I just have to ask when you all were there screening this final, you know, this completed film. Um what was his reaction uh to seeing this this project finally come to life Roy? E. Yes.
0: Oh, I think, you know, Roy was involved uh, from the get go. So he was seeing it progress all the way along. So, I mean, when we had a final screening on it, of course, he was thrilled with it. And and I think he was even more thrilled uh, when it got nominated for an Academy Award because it was him and Dominique Montfriere who were the nominees, if you will, uh, for the Academy Award on the short. And, um, you know, I think he, I think he was extremely proud of it. And, and the, the other person who I think really kind of gave his blessing, uh, was John Hench yes. because when we screened the final project for you know, the final film for, for John, uh, he was thrilled. He, he kind of felt like that was what the film was going to be. Yes. Uh, and, and he was thrilled, you know, cause he was like 95 at that point. Uh, and for him to see it completed the, you know, 68 years after he had worked on it with, with, uh, Dali, uh, or 58 years, whatever it was, uh, 50, I think it was 58 years. Uh, you know, he, he was, he was, I think, uh, immensely thrilled.
1: That's awesome. Well, yeah. yeah, I, I think it's great. Um, please, do yourself a favor. Seek this one out on Disney Plus. It's there. If you happen to uh, do a little bit of digging, you can check out the documentary as well, "Dolly and Disney: A Date with Destino," which yeah, is, was also it, is that on uh, Disney Plus? I, I don't know if it's on Disney Plus or not. I, yeah, I tried man, looking for should it.
0: Check and see if it's on Disney Plus. Uh, yeah, I, I, tried, I
1: would help. Yeah, I tried checking on it, but uh, I know that it was on the Blu-ray for Fantasia 2000. Dave, another project for your of yours. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, I know it's out there. So uh, any final words uh, on this? I know we could have gone on to talk more about the behind the scenes of this film, but uh, I know that uh, we'll probably revisit it and maybe some finer points down the road.
0: Well, you know something. I do want to tell the little story about uh, going to the Academy Awards. Okay, sure. Be, be, because <laughs> because it, it was really kind of a, a cool story, I think. Because Nancy and I uh, went down to Roy and Patty's house uh, in Toluca Lake. We all met there. Uh, Dominique and Baker came as well, and so the six of us all went in a limo from Roy's house uh, to the Kodak Theater. Uh, which I think is now the Dolby Theater, but the the theater where they were having the Academy Awards. And, uh, you know, we were all thinking to ourselves, oh my gosh, you know, this has to win. Uh, And at the time, Roy was in a bit of a, you know, he was having a falling out with Michael Eisner. And there was a a, a little uh, battle going on between the two of them. Just a little one. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, and so everybody was like rooting for Roy to win the Academy award. And people were like, Oh my gosh, what's he going to say? If he's up on stage getting this award, you know, and all of this. And I think what wound up happening was that the vote got split between Destino and a Pixar short called bounding Uh and another short called Harvey Crumpet from Australia actually came in and won the short competition that year. Uh, and it was it was crazy you know Roy even said he was ready to like get up out of his seat when they when they made the announcement and it was like Harvey Crumpet he fell back in his seat you know <laughs> um so we all met in the lobby of the theater at the end of the Academy Awards we all meet up we're standing in a circle chatting and uh you know uh Roy and Dominique had tickets to the Governor's Ball uh uh, and, you know, they weren't sure if they were going to go. Nancy and I were like, right, we're, we'll, we'll head home uh, if they go to the governor's ball. And finally, you know, we're, people are coming over to say hi to Roy, including, by the way, Steve Jobs, who kind of came over and waited while he finished talking to somebody and then came in and talked to Roy. Um, and uh, finally, Roy says to his then wife, Patty uh, what do you want to do, Patty? And she says, I I really want to go get an in and out burger. (laughs) And, and, and so that's exactly what we wound up doing. We went down, we got the the limo came around to pick us up. We all piled in the limo and uh, we went to the In-N-Out Burger on Cahuenga Boulevard over by Universal Studios. Um, The driver, by the way, made the mistake of trying to go through the drive-through, but there was like a hairpin turn and the car was not going to make that. So he had Uh to back out Uh and (laughs) a couple of us ran in, got a box of burgers, a box of fries and And we all went back to Roy and Patty's house in Toluca Lake and uh, he popped open a magnum of red wine and uh, (laughs) we had burgers and fries and this really good red wine and, and just, you know, hung out for a couple of hours, and and it was really a
1: very memorable evening. I think okay. you know. Hey, well, yeah. well, that that's how a real after party goes. And if you're gonna yeah. have, if you're gonna have In and Out Burger, why the heck not pair it with some awesome red wine that's uh, that's being served by Roy E. Disney? Why not?
0: And, and by the way, I will point out that you know the Destino short is is really you know, maintain this, you know, museum uh, quality to it. You know, it's shown in museum uh, exhibitions around the world periodically. And uh, they also uh, did the Destino Tower uh, down at uh, Coronado Springs. That's right. My wife uh, covered uh, so, that opening. It's
1: very, very awesome. Yeah. yeah. So
0: there's a Destino themed hotel down in Walt Disney World. So, you know, the the short lives on. I'm super proud of being part of the team that
1: helped finish that man and you should be it's awesome so seek it out destino uh on disney plus and the illustrious dave Bossard talking about it Uh, prompted by an amazing email and you see we do listen to your emails we do read them and we're happy to uh take on all kinds of show topics and answer your questions in long form like we did in this very very nice kind of chat with the boss about this project so thank you dave for that
0: my pleasure. And as uh, as uh, Al John has said, uh, if you've got topic suggestions, send them in to us. Uh, we will respond. Your attention, please. Now loading on track number one for a trip around Walt Disney's Magic Kingdom. Skull Rock Podcast. All aboard! Your Main Street to the world of Disney.
1: Dave, what a great discussion around Destino. I think we could have spoken at least another 30, 40 minutes. <laughs> about, oh, easily, about
0: easily. I mean, you know, what a terrific guest Dave was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I'm going to pat yourself on the back. You're in a gold star, Dave. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I love talking to you about this stuff because it's. I, I find it uh, so fascinating. Well,
0: you know something I'd be curious to, to hear from our listeners to see if they like the show uh, today and uh, also if they have other topics they want us to cover.
1: Absolutely. We're going to have a link to where you can find the Disney Destino book. Uh, available through disney editions you can check it out and you could also uh check out that link to the indiegogo as well so you can uh crowdsource or crowdfund the new book the house of the future so please do that pre-order pre-order that book pre-order right now and uh gosh if you love the show Thank you so much for actually tuning in and, and checking out until the very end. We do appreciate that. Be sure to check out all of our social media as well. Uh, we've got Twitter, Facebook, uh, instagram and you can also follow us on linkedin our individual uh pages as well Go, dave bosser and shoot us those emails uh we love the show topics and different uh, discussions that that spur because of your emails david skullrockpodcast.com or aljohn at uh, skullrockpodcast.com you can also do this a brand new page uh now that sorcerer radio is like 20 21 years old dave uh, you can wow. check out our show link there at the Sorcerer Radio Network at srsounds.com. And there's a tip jar feature there, too. So if you want to give us a little tip jar, you sure uh, can do that and find our show streaming on all, all podcast platforms and on Sorcerer Radio. Dave, I'll leave you with a final word.
0: Well, as always, uh, I have to say peace and love to everybody. Um, I think next week or uh, pretty soon, we're going to be springing forward. It's my favorite time of year. The days are going to start getting longer. Uh, I know it may not feel that way uh, in some parts of the country that are getting hit with some snow. So please be careful out there and stay indoors if you can, uh, if it's uh, bad weather for you uh, and listen to the Skull Rock podcast. Uh, And until then uh, we will see you next week right here on the skull rock podcast
1: i'm al john go co-host of the disney list podcast as heard on sorcerer radio as well as skull rock podcast here with my wife Kristen. hello hello you are an earmarked agent who books disney travel vacations for people all the time Give our listeners a reason why they want to give you a call instead of just booking a trip by themselves.
2: Well, I can do all of the legwork for them. I have expertise. I've been to the Disney parks well over 100 times, so they've got that knowledge at their hand, as well as it saves them time and money.
1: Where can people get in touch with you so that they can book their next Disney cruise, Disney park trip, Adventures by Disney?
2: They can contact me at theme parks and cruises at gmail.com. I'm Kristen Hetzel, co-host of Dining at Disney Podcast. Every week, I chat about dining at Disneyland and Walt Disney World Resort and Disney Cruise Line with my fellow foodie, Bubba. We also feature restaurants and food reviews, information to help you plan your dining, Disney food news, recipes, and a monthly panel discussion. Visit DiningAtDisney.com and subscribe to Dining at Disney Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast platform. Dining at Disney Podcast, the happiest plate on earth.